is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of space. Slips a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Donald escapes, trying to buy himself some time. Fires, end zone, it's caught. Incredible play by Donald. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. And it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to meet the candidates for the New York Jets head coaching vacancy. And I decided that to start this series off, I wanted to make sure that we had a fantastic show with somebody that you know well and that I know well and that I know I can trust to present a full picture of what the Jets will be looking at with one of these candidates. And so I went to my friend George Bremer, who covers the Colts for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana, and I said... I need you to come on the show and tell me about Colts defensive coordinator Matt Eberflus. Now, George holds the distinction of being the beat reporter to have the most appearances on this show without actually being a Jets beat reporter by a long shot. In fact, I think he has more appearances on this show than most actual Jets beat reporters because the Jets do so much business with the Colts. There's so many interactions involving the Colts and the Jets that there ends up being so much material for these shows. So, George, thanks so much for coming on. It's going to be a fun show. As always, I know I can rely on you to accurately portray what we need to know. I'm happy to be here. You know, it is funny. It seems like every year we intersect somewhere, and we know <laughs> there's a draft day trade coming, right? I mean, that's, right. that's a tradition. Perhaps it'll involve Sam Darnold this time. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It'll all depend on what the new head coach wants to do, and perhaps that new head coach will be Matt Eberflus. And before we get into what happened with the Colts, how he got hired, that whole story, let's go through his background a little bit. I thought this was fascinating. We were talking about this before we started recording, but George, Matt Eberflus actually played for three different head coaches when he was at college in Toledo, which is also where he started his coaching career. But one of those coaches was Nick Saban. Another one was Gary Pinkle, who ended up becoming his mentor. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think when you play for Nick Saban, uh, something's got to rub off, right? You, you learn something. <laughs> it's just one year. He was at Toledo only for one season. I, I think he went to Michigan State from there, uh, but I, I don't recall perfectly on that one. Uh, but, you know, for Eberflus, um, I don't know how big of an influence Nick Saban was on him, but it, that guy's such a huge personality. you got to figure that, that that year meant something to him. He hasn't talked a lot about Saban. He has talked a lot about Pinkle. 
Uh, you know, I think that's one of the guys that, that helped him get into the, to the, this profession. Uh, you know, maybe one of the first guys who saw him as a coach. Uh, although Iberflus' dad was a coach too, so it's not, not like it wasn't on his mind that <laughs> this was a possibility <laughs> for him. Uh, but I think Pico was one of the guys that really believed in him and, and gave him some chances. And, you know, he started out coaching at Toledo, followed Pinkle on to Missouri, uh, and, and he had that college background. Uh, once he got in the NFL, Rod Marinelli, you know, is probably his biggest influence at that level. Uh, and it's been interesting to see because this is a guy who, you know, I, I know we'll get into this a little more later, but this is a guy – who's very much a believer in the Tampa two defense. So if that's, if that's not what you want, if you don't want to play that four, three uh, zone defense, then this is not your guy because this is, you know, that's what he's ridden through the ranks and that's what he believes in. He's, he's, I think he's pretty malleable when it comes to the scheme in terms of adjusting the players. I think he's done a good job this year in particular with Xavier Rhodes, uh, you know, and getting him back on track. He, he's definitely been willing to kind of, twist some things and, 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 you know, change some things up, take advantage of a guy's talent. So he's not dogmatic to that extent, but this is a four, three guy through and through. Uh, it's that lovey Smith tree that, that Tony Dungy tree. Um, you know, that's, that's what you expect. That's what you're getting. If you get mad at you Personally, I don't really care what scheme he runs. I just want somebody that's going to come in here and be an effective head coach. I'm not so much worried about schematics. That stuff you can tweak one way or the other, but we'll get back to that because, as you said, Rod Marinelli was an enormous influence on him. I would say that Gary Pinkle and Rod Marinelli were the two biggest influences in Matt Eberflus's entire career, and I'm sure he would agree. And in fact, with Pinkle, he spent all those years in Toledo with him, eight years, 1992, since he was a student assistant, all the way up to the year 2000. Funny thing here, George, is that when Dean Pease was let go by the Ravens in 2018 as the defensive coordinator, Wink Martindale took over there. In this case, when Dean Pease left for Notre Dame, it meant a promotion for Matt Eberflus when he was at Toledo. So both guys who rose through the ranks as linebacker coaches also benefited from Dean Pease moving on from a position that he was on on the coaching staff they served on. But we'll get to that a little bit later because I do think that the journey that Eberflus and Wink Martindale have taken are very, very similar, even if they run very different defenses. So he follows Pinkle to Missouri, and he does really well there. And the thing that I thought was very interesting, and this is something that will be near and dear to the hearts of Jets fans, is that in addition to being a very effective linebackers coach at Missouri for Pinkle, he was a great recruiter. He recruited William Moore and Sean Weatherspoon, who ended up becoming NFL players. They were picked in the first two rounds. And if you're a Jets fan, this name is an oldie but a goodie. He was the one that recruited Brad Smith, who became a real gadget weapon for the Jets during the Mangini-Rex Ryan years. So fascinating to know that Matt Eberflus was more than just a coach when he was in Missouri. He was a really good recruiter, which should help a lot if he gets hired as a head coach because part of the job is helping to recruit players in free agency. Yeah, you know, I think that's he's, he's a big relationship guy. I think a lot of the coaches talk about that. Almost every coach, I think, talks about that. But he's a guy that lives it, and, and you can tell. I mean, even guys that have left this team uh, while he's been here, a lot of times he's kept in touch. Uh, some of them still talk about him in, in, in pretty glowing terms. You know, I, I think he, he's just a guy who, who want, he cares as much about the person as he cares about the player. And it, you can tell that that 
helps him connect. But I think he it's almost essential in, in the style that he plays to be that way because this team, everything with Eberflus is effort. It's all-out effort. You run on every play. You run to the ball. Uh, they have a stat called loafs that I'm sure we'll talk about a little mm-hmm. more uh, as, as this show goes on. Uh, you know, they, they, when they grade the film, he says they're brutally honest about that. It's not, they're not trying to pick on anybody. It's not that kind of dictator kind of a, of a role, but it's just a matter of, look, if, if you are not doing what we want you to do and we're not being honest with you about why, how are you going to get better? And that's kind of his philosophy on that. And so it's, it's brutal honesty in, in film study. You get enough lows, it's going to affect your practice time. It's going to affect your playing time. Uh, and he's demanding all out effort on every snap from these guys. And I think they're willing to do it because of the personal relationships that he builds with them ahead of time. They feel like, okay, I know he's asking a lot from me, but he's got my best interest at heart. Like you said, he's a relationship guy. And this comes into play when he takes a job on the Cleveland Browns staff in 2009, joining Eric Mangini, our old friend, and also intersecting with Brian Dable, who's another hot head coaching candidate right now because Dable was the offensive coordinator on that staff for Mangini. And so he goes in there and he really catches the eye of Rob Ryan, who was the defensive coordinator at the time. And when Rob Ryan moves on in 2011, so does Matt Eberflus. He goes with him to the Dallas Cowboys, where he would remain for seven years. And that is where he met the guy who would become his second mentor. And you talked about this before, Rod Marinelli. And Rod Marinelli really taught him that Tampa too. Eberflus helped Marinelli transition that Dallas Cowboys defense from a 3-4 to a 4-3. And for a lot of those years, that Dallas Cowboys defense was really, really strong. And as you said, effort, a hallmark of that defense. Yeah, I mean, that it all begins and ends there. But I think it's interesting because you know we talk about Pinko and Marinelli being the, the mentors, being the guys that, that kind of shaped the coach that Matt Eberflus is. And by no coincidence, Toledo and the Cowboys were the two launching pads for him. Toledo is obviously where he got his college career starting, his coaching career in general started. Everything kind of, that's where he got on the fast track. That's where he started to go up the ladder and, you know, get jobs so he could move on to, to bigger schools and then on to the NFL. And the Cowboys kind of did the same thing. I think when he went with Rob Ryan to Dallas, he was still just kind of an anonymous position coach. You know, that kind of, there's a dime a dozen in the league. Uh, obviously Rob Ryan liked him, but it was, his name wasn't on coordinator list. He wasn't, you know, an up and coming kind of guy. And in Dallas with Marinelli, you see that kind of rise. He ended up being the passing game coordinator there towards the end. And I've heard the story. I don't know a hundred percent the, the, the accuracy of it. It's obviously not something Blues wants to talk a lot about, uh, but there, there is at least talk there that they offered him the defense coordinator job but it would have meant Marinelli getting moved out of the spot. He didn't want to do that. He, he was not going to let that happen. So they kind of, you know, slide it in, give him a little more responsibility in some other spots, trying to keep him a little bit longer. Uh, and I think that it, it's really Dallas is where he became, for all intents and purposes, an NFL coach and a guy who other coaches were looking at to, you know, all right, he's on my short list for coordinator job. And while he was with Dallas, he did some great work with the linebackers because 
as I said, much like Wink mm-hmm. Martindale, he made his bones as a linebackers coach. Look at what he did with Anthony Hitchens and Jalen Smith. He moved Rolando McLean to middle linebacker, where he registered 97 tackles in a season and two sacks. So you look at those guys, and they were terrific, but Sean Lee was the big one. He helped mold Sean Lee into an all-pro. It would be the first of two linebackers that he would mold into all pros. We'll get to the second one in a bit. If you're a Colts fan, you know exactly who I'm talking about because the Colts were the next stop here. And you were telling me this story before we started recording, and I think it's awesome. Tell the story about how Eberflus got hired and how he wound up staying on, even though it became a very awkward situation in Indianapolis. Yeah, you know, everybody probably is aware. I don't know, maybe not everybody, but it, it's a fairly well-known story that, that Joshua Daniels hired Eberflus, that, that he was his defense coordinator. Uh, actually, it was Matt Eberflus's wife, Kelly, who, who kind of gave the first hint to the local media that, that the Daniels deal was done. She, around the holidays, she had posted something along the lines of, well, it wasn't like Christmas holiday. There was Christmas card in it. It was obviously after that. It was January when it was going down. But she had posted some kind of a Instagram photo, and it had a Colts ornament on it. And it said something like, you know, happy to move to Indianapolis, something along those lines. And everybody was like, wait a minute. You know, if Eber Boots is the defense coordinator, obviously the McDaniels deal is done. So that was kind of funny. And it's sort of the way uh, we first found out that that was happening. Um, but with McDaniels, you know, it, it wasn't just his call. It wasn't – I think everybody kind of looked at that as McDaniels hired him and then the Colts just kept – there were three coaches. Uh, Mike Fair, who's now in Carolina with, with Matt Rule, uh, was the defensive line coach. He was here when Frank Reich was hired as well. And the other guy that, that uh, McDaniels brought in was Dave uh, DeGuglielmo, who I think ended up back with the Giants this year. He's bounced around quite a bit. Uh, he was the, the offensive line coach for the first year. And so the feeling was Colts are going to do these guys a solid, keep them on. That was kind of the narrative that was out there. Um, and DeGuglielmo only lasted it one year. Fair was here two years, obviously. Part of the reason Eberflus is still here and part of the reason that, that it was such a big deal, he wasn't just McDaniel's guy. Chris Ballard had a lot of faith in this guy as well, and he really wanted Matt Eberflus as the defense coordinator. Ballard wanted to run the Tampa 2 defense. Uh, he made that very clear. He liked the speed, the athleticism. He thought that would be a really good fit on the turf here in Indianapolis. And at that time, they still had Andrew Luck. So he's thinking you're going to get leads. You're going to have an offense that can put up, you know, threat to put up points every time they touch the ball. This kind of defense really complements that well. This is the guy that we want. And he went to Rob Marinelli, and he basically was doing some background because McDaniels had come to him, you know, with the idea of Eurofus being defense coordinator. He went to Rob Marinelli, and he said, "You've been in this scheme." Because Marinelli and, and uh, Ballard had go back to Chicago together. Ballard had been a scout there for like 12 years, and while Marinelli was working for the Bears uh, as defense coordinator, I believe there. And so they had a, a pretty deep relationship. They knew each other really well. And Ballard went to him and said, look, I want this defense. Who do I hire? Who do I get? And not knowing that McDaniels had already done it, Marinelli said, get Matt Eberflus. That's the guy. You want to run this scheme? Get Matt Eberflus. He's working with me in Dallas. This is your guy. And boom. You know, it happened. So uh, I think that that was that cemented Eberflus's spot. It wasn't just Ballard doing a solid; that was part of it. You know, these guys had been hired, and they were told they have a job, and it was late in the in the hiring process. Obviously, uh, McDaniel's not backing out of that head coaching job until after the Super Bowl, so they were going to be kind of hung out to dry. 
it certainly was part of it was doing a solid, but Bauer believed, especially in Eberflus, he believed in this guy, and Eberflus was good enough at his job that Frank Reich not only kept him, he swears by him now and says that you know he'll, he'll tell anybody who calls that they should hire him to be the head coach. And there's a reason for that, George, because we remember how absolutely terrible the Colts' defense was in 2017. They were ranked 30th in the league, and then all of a sudden, Eberflus comes in and turns them around in one season. They become a top 10 defense, and it's not even like there were any kind of major personnel changes. All 11 of the defensive starters had been with the team the previous year, so that's incredible work. Yeah, no, it it was... And it was another scheme change. You know, you talk about he helped that move in Dallas from the 3-4 to the 4-3. He did it again here in Indy. Uh, and and that, that first season, you could tell from the effort, you know, that again, I mean, you're going to hear that a lot. That, that, that's really the, the biggest thing about this defense. Uh, and, and you hear it from opponents all the time, too. I mean, anytime we're talking to an opposing coach the week leading up to a game, the very first thing out of their mouth is this defense flies to the football. We have to be ready for that. Um, it, you know, it, it's, it's, it's what he's known for probably the most throughout the league. But that was the most clear thing that happened. The second thing, and, and you've kind of touched on it already a little bit, the linebacker group. If you look at the defense in 2017 and defense since then, one of the biggest changes is the play of the linebackers. I know we're going to talk about the all-pro in a little bit, but – Anthony Walker, the middle linebacker, mm-hmm. might be one of the biggest success stories that he's had. He was drafted for that 3-4 spot. He's a middle linebacker. Uh, he, was, he was coming out of Northwestern. He was a big guy, uh, really physical, thumper, that kind of thing. And there was a lot of talk when Iberfus was hired. Does Walker even fit this defense? What's he going to do? He worked hard, slimmed down, got his body in, in where they wanted it. Uh, but he had such a, a mental aptitude, and, and that was one of the things when they drafted him in 2017. They talked about his coach on the field. You know, this is a guy who just understands the game of season in a different way. And Eberflus kind of pretty quickly said, "Look, if I'm going to draw my perfect linebacker from a physical standpoint, Walker might not be it, but from a mental standpoint, he absolutely is." And that guy, he led them in tackles last year. I think he's second this year. He's lost time to, to Bobby Okariki at times because Okariki is that physical freak. He is a better fit. Uh, but he's got a role on this defense. He's become a leader on this defense. And he's become a very productive player. And if you look at him in 2017 and him in 2018, you'd be hard-pressed to say it's the same guy. And, and the difference is not easily. And Walker's a guy the previous coaching staff wanted to get rid of, yet Eberflus, even in a scheme that a lot of people didn't think fit him, was able to take Walker and turn him into a very productive player. You want to talk about productive, by the way. How about the all-pro that you just alluded to, that of course being Darius Leonard, the second-round pick in the 2018 draft, becomes an all-pro under Eberflus's watch. This is a guy that's done a lot of great work with linebackers, perhaps none greater than Darius Leonard. And Darius Leonard loves him. I mean, it, it, he will swear by this guy. Uh, Leonard is is he's such a unique guy in terms of what he can do. You know, he can cover, he can rush, he can stop the run, he, he can he can pretty much do whatever you ask him. And so Eberflus has really been challenged, and, and he talks about it. He he's been challenged to try to find ways to maximize what Darius Leonard does. Obviously, it's working. You know, year in and year out, one of the, the top tacklers in the league. Uh, really, historically, I think, again, he's third fastest uh, tackler to 400 tackles, I believe it was this year. 
every year there's something like that. Even with missing games, it doesn't matter. He goes over 100 tackles very easily, missed three games this year, uh, but the numbers don't necessarily reflect that. And it, a lot of it is Iberfus understanding. I've got a very special club in my bag, and I'm going to use him in a lot of different ways. And you'll see, you know, uh, on, on Sunday against Jacksonville, they brought uh, a different kind of blitz than they usually send. And they, they put Leonard, let him, they don't do it a lot. They don't send him after the quarterback a lot, but they let him off the leash and send him after the QB. And I thought for a minute, Mike Glennon was going to get separated from the football, literally. He, <laughs> he got hit so hard, I think it made the arm move forward. Um, it, it, was, it was a very violent hit. It's the kind of thing that, that Leonard does. But it's, it's that kind of idea. He gets used in so many different creative ways because early on, and, and this was a guy, you talk about defense rookie of the year in, in 2018, he missed the entire training camp that year. He had a hamstring injury from training, you know, from draft training. Uh, and really, I think he worked one day in rookie minicamp, and then he was pretty much shut down the rest of the spring. So they were talking him up, they being Chris Ballard and, and Matt Eberflus. They kept saying, wait till you see this guy. He's a perfect fit for what we want on the weak side. We think he's going to be a stud. And everybody's like, okay, you know, he's from a small school, and, and he got hurt, and he hasn't been on the field. But, you know, whatever, we'll see what happens. Very first practice of training camp that summer, he goes out. Uh, he, he's running down the middle with a tight end, and he intercept makes a jumping grab, one-handed interception of Andrew Luck. And all of a sudden, we all look like, wait a minute, did, did the rookie just do what? And everybody you talk to with this Colts team who was here then will tell you, that's the moment we knew. Week two, they go to Washington, and he has 19 tackles. He's flying all over the field. Stephen Holder, who covers Colts for the Athletic, had been in Tampa for years covering the Bucks. And he looked at us in the press box and he said, I know this is crazy. We said, this kid's Derek Brooks. He reminds me of Derek Brooks. And that was a, a, that's, we had heard that comparison a lot on the draft. Obviously that's, you know, probably the, the prototype of, of what the weak side linebacker looks like in this scheme. He has just gotten him there and then beyond. He's not beyond Derek Brooks, but he's gotten him to what they thought he would be. And then a little more. And to me, that is as impressive as it is what he's done with Anthony Walker and some other guys on this defense. Sometimes it's even harder to get a guy like Darius Leonard because anyone could get Darius Leonard to play at a really high level because of his talent. I feel like he's gone and maximized that. Darius Leonard, the Colts are getting the very best version and maybe a little more because of what Matt Eberflus has done with him. And Matt Eberflus has done great work with the second-round pick in Darius Leonard, but also with undrafted free agents. Look what he did with Kenny Moore. Yeah, Kenny Moore. One of my favorite players. Uh, the story there is just so outstanding. But uh, you know, getting cut by the Patriots and, and coming in here and and sort of <laughs> the thing about Kenny Moore that that that's funny is his first year here in Indianapolis, he's on special teams. It's what happens, right? You you pick up a guy on the waiver wire before the the season. You very rarely is he starting right away. He's a special teams guy, and the first thing that happens is the two of the first three weeks, maybe two of the first four weeks, somewhere in that stretch, he gets personal fouls on punt returns and dumb ones, like hitting a guy out of bounds and, you know, 15 yards and he's costing the team. And everybody's like, what do they see in this kid? Why are they sticking with him? You know, he's, he's just, he's not worth the trouble. He's getting these huge penalties. And all of a sudden, Iberflus again comes in because Kenny Moore was a 2017 waiver collider claim. Iberflus comes in in 2018 and that, summer 
as we're get one of the things that, that's great about Chris Ballard is right before training camp, he'll have a, a big get together with the media. It's sort of his last, he, his big philosophy is once a season starts, it's Frank Reich's team. I'm not going to talk. I'm not, there's, there's one voice. It's the head coach. I'm not going to get in that. So the trade off to that is the day before training camp starts, he'll bring it in. It's kind of an ask me anything session, you know, and he's just, he'll lay it out because it's the last time he's going to talk to us again until after the season. And during that in, in 2018, we're all kind of sitting around at Westfield the first time that they were at, at camp there. And he said, Kenny Moore is going to be a breakout guy. This guy's going to be a star in this league. And we're like the kid that got all the penalties on special teams. Like, what are you thinking? You know, but at this point, even a year in, we still had enough to know that if Ballard says it, we probably better pay attention to it. And that kid's become one of the best slot corners in the league but he's another guy that does so much. And that's one of the things you'll find out if Eberflus comes there. He, he talks about three positions that are essential in his scheme. One is a three technique. That's why they went and traded for DeForest Buckner. That's why he's had such a huge impact on the team this year. The other is the weak side linebacker, which is where Darius Leonard plays. And the other, oddly enough, is that slot cornerback spot. Uh, they just feel like they need such a versatile guy there who can come up, support the run, be violent, who you know, obviously has got to be able to cover, got to be a good – hands on the ball kind of guy. Uh, but then they also like to blitz with him. And that, the, the playoff in 2018, the playoff game in Houston, it was a kind of a coming out party for Kenny Moore. He had a good season. But that game in Houston, he really, I think he had an interception. He had a couple sacks. They held Deshaun Watson to 4.8 yards per pass that day, which is incredible. Uh, and it was really kind of the first time that, that people started looking at Kenny Moore as more than, just a good starter that maybe, you know, this, this kid really was a really integral part of this defense. And I was talking to him in the locker room after the game. And I said, where, how long have you been blitzing? You know, where did you learn this blitz scheme? And he said, I didn't do it until this year. He said, coach Flew saw something in me, thought I could do it. And so we've been working on it and we kind of un- unleashed it now. Now it's one of their bigger weapons is bringing Kenny Moore on a blitz, but he never did it until he got to the NFL level. Eberflus gets here. Boom. All of a sudden, he saw it in him, and, and Kenny Moore's off and running. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. We talked about loafs before, and people will hear that word and not know what to make of it. Are we talking about bread? What exactly is loafs? Let's explain that, George. Talk to me about loafs. Loafs is another fun story. Uh, this is one of the many things that Darius Leonard kind of let leak to us. Uh, one of the best things about Leonard from a media standpoint is that he will just occasionally tell you what's going on behind the scenes. And, and he was talking after one game, uh, and he said, I cut my loaves in half. And we were like, what? What do you mean? <laughs> and, and so we had to get the explanation. They grade the film, and this is crazy. I mean, this is – people, you know, they, they look at Iberflus sometimes as sort of a mad genius. This is part of it. Uh, they will grade the film in such a way that you have to run to the football on every play. And when I say that, that means if you're the left defensive end and they throw a 25-yard pass down the right sideline, you don't have to honestly get to the ball. They don't necessarily expect that. But if you're not running full out in that direction, you get a loaf. And so if that's the standard, you can imagine what happens if, if you should have been there and you don't get there. And Eberflus will point to this a lot about they get to a lot of loose balls. And he says, this is why. You know, we're running the ball all the time. We're getting helmets to the ball. If the ball's on the ground, somebody better be hustling there and getting it. They, they won a game against Green Bay this year in overtime in part because of that, because Julius, Julian Blackman, the rookie safety, knocked the ball loose. And uh, DeForest Buckner, trying to avoid a loaf, got over there and got the football. And – you know, I just it, it's it's just part of the culture. It's ingrained. It, it the guys who are here kind of pick up on it and, and carry it over to the next guy. And it is everybody wants you to play hard. Obviously, at any level of football, this is even guys that have been in the NFL for a little while. Guys like Justin Houston, who spent eight years in Kansas City before he came here, will tell you this is a little different. This is a different level, uh, and it it is that Rod Marinelli kind of standard. You run to the ball every play without question. And if you get too many loaves, you know, it, it will affect your playing time. It will affect your practice time. It'll affect your playing time. Uh, guys, it's definitely something they have to get used to. One of the things that, that Eberflus talked about a lot when he first got here, and I didn't understand it necessarily then as well as I do now, he, he talked about they were watching film of the old Tampa Bay teams, the old Chicago teams, the Colts under Peyton Manning when, when Dungey was here and they ran this defensive scheme. And, you know, that part wasn't surprising. And I understood that, but he said, I wanted to give them a picture of what this defense looks like. He wanted to give them a, a visual aid so they knew. And it was 90% of it was that effort. He wanted to show them this is Tampa Bay. They won a Super Bowl using this defense. Here's how they played. This is Chicago. They went to a Super Bowl using this defense. Here's how they played. Here's Indianapolis. They won a Super Bowl with this defense. Here's how they played. So those guys didn't just hear it from him and the other coaches. They had, you know, 
tangible evidence right there in front of them. I think that was an interesting way of doing it, uh, and it's it's carried over. It is absolutely the defining aspect of, of this defense. Um, he has he talks about it all the time to the point where we can report it. Uh, reporters, we can recite our assignment, alignment, key technique every time. That's what he talks about. Uh, anytime you ask him any question about what the defense needs to do this week, you know I'm sure when we get him. Uh, as he's preparing for Josh Allen on Saturday, the first thing he's going to say is assignment, alignment, key, and technique. And that and then effort. I mean, that, that's where it comes down to. And it's, it is a very, very extremely demanding and, and high standard. And I think it's what has made this a top 10 defense this year. I like what Kari Willis said. He said, usually you know sometimes it's a pretty tough grade, but that's the standard and that's the expectation we hold each other to. For the most part, you know that's something you can't really hide. And this leads into what Matt Eberflus's leading principle is, his guiding principle. It's the HITS system. And I'm going to explain this, and I want you to go a little bit more into depth, but HITS stands for Hustle intensity taking the ball away and situational smarts again this goes back to that effort and that that standard that they have and it's he and it's it's literally hits too it's not you know that's the kind of fifth part of that um because they want he's talked about it before that you as a linebacker in particular you have to hit the ball on every play that's the goal uh and it, and it goes into all those all those little acronyms that, that you just spelled out uh that's what they all feed into the whole idea is that you're you're running the ball uh you're doing it with good vision you're doing it with discipline uh but when you get there they want you to be violent and they want you to hit the ball because you know everybody i think anybody who's ever looked at it's the lovey smith defense tony dungy defense um you know all the teams that played this scheme rob marinelli monty kiffin that's there's two things that that, that define it sacks and takeaways. And so um, Charles Tillman, Chris Ballard will talk about him all the time, the old Bears quarterback. He was, in, in Ballard's mind, he was the best guy at getting his hand on the ball, knocking it free, getting the ball loose, getting those takeaways. It's such a huge factor here that it was the first thing Darius Leonard thought about. A couple weeks ago they were playing Houston, both games this year against Houston, and with a fumble inside the two-yard line, which is crazy, but – not when you see the history of the Texans and Colts because it's just kind of the way it goes. But the first one was a bad snap, and the Colts really didn't have much to do with it. The second one, Kiki Cote makes a catch. He's turning to go to the end zone, and the very first thing that comes in Darius Leonard's mind is, I can see the fat part of the ball. He's carrying his left hand, and I can see the fat part of the ball. I've got to go hit it. So he goes to get the wrap-up because he's not going to miss the tackle, and he comes through with his hand, he knocks the ball out, and the Colts recover it in the end zone, and they win the game. So it's not just it's it's you know it's it's a neat little saying and it's kind of funny, uh, but it's in principle it's a big part of what they do. They every single time, every single offensive snap, they want to hit the ball. And I know you know you were talking about Nick Sirianni, and I could sign the setup because I know you want to talk about one of the things that he mentioned. You know, it's part of why Sirianni said when he first got here. The offense had to be ready for it because this defense will come at you and they will they will harass you. I mean, you watch training camp practice, they're running down the field and there's three or four guys still snapping at the ball even as the whistle's blown. Um, you know, as an offensive player, you've got to be ready for that. It, it doesn't just rise the standard on defense, it rises the standard on the team. 
effort and attempting to take the ball away on every single play seems to be the hallmark of the Matt Eberflus defense. And like you said, Nick Sirianni had some interesting things to say about it. Here are some quotes from him. He said, it took about a month of us being here. We'd never seen anything like that as an offense, but we adapted because we saw the benefit of it. It was a little bit of adapt or get run out of the gym, adapt or get exposed at practice. Yes, we hustle. Yes, we finish. But we put a higher standard on it after being with Flus for a little bit. And then he continued, the way they practice obviously makes us better. The reason I think we're good at protecting the football is because of how crazy they are at coming after it. Not everybody practices that way. So again, full tilt on every play, even at practice, and going after the ball on every single play. And getting back to the effort part of this, I thought this was a really cool story that Nick Sirianni told. said, during a preparation for a game, Sirianni and his offensive assistants were sitting around watching video of a Colts receiver who caught a pass and cut up field. A defensive back on the opposing team slowed down instead of pursuing the receiver at full speed because he didn't have the angle to tackle the receiver. The reaction in the room was unanimous. We said... Flus would have had his butt right there on the spot. <laughs> yep. And that, and that, to, to me, that's a big thing. Uh, it's been fun this year with Phil Rivers coming in because, you know, everybody knows Rivers loves to run his mouth on the field. That, that's what he's famous for, trash talking and, and kind of firing up the defense. And Darius Leonard's the same way on the defense side of the ball. So the intensity has been really ramped up in practice just because those guys, it's not any kind of anger at each other. Those guys, it's competition. You know, they want to show each other up. And you got even Flus's defense already playing at that kind of level uh, with that kind of effort anyway. And now you got Rivers trying to get the offense to match it. And it, it makes for some pretty fun, lively periods in practice out there. And it gets noticed by the head coach who follows Eberflus's lead to an extent, which is kind of crazy that an assistant would set the tone. And Eberflus talks about that. He says it started out as the coach is talking about it. Now the players are buying into it. The players do it. When new guys come into our team, like you mentioned before, Justin Houston, who is a veteran and one of the best edge rushers in the league for quite a long time. When the new guys like him come in, the guys that are already here teach the new guys the loaf system, and that's why we do it. And Frank Reich, like I said, understands that Eberflus, in a way, sets the tone. Here's what he had to say about Eberflus. I've been a part of a lot of teams with very high effort, but not to the degree that we do it here. I've never seen anything where there's an accountability on loafs at the level that we have here. I think what makes it work is that the players believe it and see it, and we know there's tangible proof that it works and that matters and then he goes on to say invariably every week I'm talking to somebody that says man your defense flies around man your defense runs to the football every week someone on the opposing coaching staff is going to go out of their way to walk over to me and say man I really respect how hard your defense plays how much they run to the ball I think that's a testament to our players but also I think it's a testament to Flus and the defensive coaching staff for that system of accountability. So I think right there is a really good argument for Matt Eberflus 
as a head coach. There are other aspects that I want to ask you about in a second, but I think just the accountability and being able to demand that level of effort on every single play and have the players buy in shows you that there's a culture there that he has helped build that has really yielded a lot of success for Frank Reich and the rest of the coaching staff during their tenure with the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and I think one of the big elements of that, too, is that in a lot of ways, Eberflus is the head coach of the defense. You know, it's not that Reich ignores that, that side of the ball. I don't want to indicate that at all. He, he's out there at practice. He walks around from position group to position group, makes sure that early in the week he's checking in with them. And if he's got something to say or if he sees something or he wants a specific, you know, situation, he's, he's more than willing to go and, and, and Eberflus is more than willing to, to listen. But it's Reich also understands. He was a quarterback in the league for 14 years. He came up on that offensive side of the ball, and he has – the level of respect for Eberflus, even though it wasn't his guy, that he, it's his it's his baby, you know, and it's his defense. In a lot of ways, Eberflus is the head coach of that defense, and you, you kind of see that in that comment from Frank Reich. You know, the idea that it was it was Eberflus's culture. I think that's one of the questions you have a lot of times with a coordinator or a position coach is, well, how much were they actually a part of it? You know, were they along for the ride, and, and it was really the head coach. This is what Eberflus is doing. There, there's no question about that. So with that said, George, here's the question. You said he's the head coach of the defense in a lot of ways. Do you think he would be a good fit as a head coach of an entire team? In other words, I think a lot of people are tired of hearing about the Rex Ryan defense, the Todd Bowles defense, the Adam Gase offense. They want to hear about the Jets defense, the Jets offense. They want somebody that can be a CEO. I know that term is getting overused now, but that's really the term that applies. Do you think that Matt Eberflus has what it takes to be able to do that? Yeah, you know, I think he does. I, I think he's kind of been preparing for that in a, in a lot of ways. He talked, I want to say, two or three years ago. Uh, it wasn't longer than that, obviously, because he hasn't been here that long. But it had to be 2018 because it was his first year um, uh, in charge. And, and they'd gone to playoffs like they did this year, and he was getting some interview offers like he is this year. And somebody asked him around this time of year, how do you handle that? You know, how, how do you balance – being the defense coordinator right now and, and trying to interview for these jobs and, and, and you know, possibly move up. And he said, look, this time of year right now, my sole focus is on this team. Obviously, we're in the playoffs. We want to go win a Super Bowl. And that's the only thing I care about. He said, I did all the work for the interviews in the offseason. That's the time that I do that. I sat down. I talked to other coaches. I, he's got notebooks and binders out there of, of what he's going to present You know, when he comes in and he does the interview. Now, that's probably going to be different for him this year because it's a Zoom call. So I'm sure it's a little bit uh, – it'll be interesting to see how that changes on it. But he's got visual aids. You know, he's got, he's got that, that, that whole uh, – what do you want to call it? Not proposal, but demonstration, uh, presentation. There's a word I was looking for. Uh, ready. You know, and, and, he, and he does. He spends the offseason doing that so that it's done. It's, it's over. So it's, it's been on his mind. He's been thinking about – what he wants to do as a head coach. Uh, and he's got that plan. You know, it's already out. He's had it for a couple of years, and I'm sure it tweaks it, you know, all the time as, as he goes through from, from one season to the next. So I'm sure that notebook, that folder doesn't look in 2020 like it, or in 2021 like it did in 2018 or 2019. Uh, but I think it just it gives you an idea of the preparation, the mindset of this guy. He's been preparing to do this job eventually. 
that doesn't mean that he's not focused on the job he has. Obviously, he's got a top 10 defense. He's done something right. Uh, but, you know, it, it's sort of that delegation. In, in this case, it's his own time. The offseason is for I'm going to get better as a coach. I'm going to work on my prospects to be a head coach. The regular season is for, you know, I'm going to go and, and, and do my job here. And, and I think, to me, that's a little bit of an insight into maybe how he will approach the job when, when he finally gets one. George, a big part of being a head coach is being able to manage the players, being able to manage the other coaches around you, and being able to manage the people above you, so the people in the front office. It sounds like he has a really good relationship with Ballard, the general manager. It sounds like he has a really good relationship with the coaches that work underneath him, but also, obviously, with Frank Reich and even with Nick Sirianni, who's on the other side of the ball. And it sounds like he's got a really good relationship with the players who buy into what he's selling and really believe in that system. As you said, Darius Leonard talking about cutting his loaves in half. So this seems to be something that would check a lot of those boxes. Would you say that what I said is accurate in terms of how he handles players, fellow coaches, and then people above him in the front office? 100%. You know, it, it's, 100% accurate. And, and again, in a guy that could have been a little bit of an awkward situation, we talk about that a lot in terms of Frank Reich because everybody knows he wasn't the number one choice. Uh, he even joked about it at his, his introductory press conference. He said something about being the, the backup has, has gone well for him in his career. So it was kind of the same way. You know, it, it could have been very awkward. Oh, you're the guy that got hired by him, you know, and, and then look what that guy who hired you did. Look, look how he left this, this franchise high and dry and, and it never happened. And I think a lot of it has to do with the character of Matt Eberflus. It very easily could have turned on him in a hurry and it doesn't. And, and, you know, I think part of that, and, and we talked earlier about being a relationship builder, part of the way he does that, Justin Houston today was, was talking uh, with us and, and obviously the Eberflus is coming up a lot right now because he's, he's out there and, you know, he's interviewing and Houston said one of the things that, that all of the good coaches he's been around have done is communicate well, be an open communicator. And he said with Flus, it's not, there's, there's that high standard that we talked about. There's absolutely a bar that has to be reached that everybody knows, but it's not really my way or the highway. He, he listens and, you know, I think Houston kind of described it as a compromise is sort there, there's an open dialogue. It's back and forth. And then, you know, you come to, to the agreement together and he said, players really respect that. I'm sure the other coaches respect that. And I'm sure he deals that same way with, with, with the front office. So, you know, that, that communicator, that ability to do that, that was the very first thing Justin used to talk about as far as the traits that, that would make Matt Eberflus a good head coach. George, if Matt Eberflus were to get a head coaching job, are there any coaches on the staff that you think he might try to bring with him? Are there other guys from around the league, from his other stops, that you know about that he might look to poach from other teams or even from the college ranks? Are there any players on the Colts that you think he might try to bring with him as well? And also, last question along those lines, do you think that Matt Eberflus would make a good head coaching hire for Joe Douglas and the New York Jets? Yeah, you know, I think um, for starters, I think that when, when you look at Iberflus' staff and how he's going to build it, I, I imagine he's going to go back to Marinelli. You know, that, that's one of his big guys. Marinelli's still in the league with the Raiders. 
Um, I would think that he's going to go to him and, and anybody who's been along those lines, you know, anybody who's been in that, that Marinelli pipeline, I think would be on a list. I would say anybody who coached uh, during the, the majority of the Jason Garrett era with the Cowboys, you would have to think those guys are going to be on his list because those are guys he's been around. You know, those, those are the guys that he's worked with. Um, on the cold staff, the guy that comes to my mind right away would be Marcus Brady. I don't know. This is not me with any kind of inside, you know, scoop here. It's just me kind of speculating. Brady's got a lot of credit. He's a quarterback's coach, and he's got a lot of credit for working with a lot of different guys. I mean, that's the one thing. With Andrew Luck retiring, uh, they've had three different starting quarterbacks in, in, in over three years here. Um, he's had to, to rotate through a lot of different bodies in a lot of different situations. And, you know, he gets a lot of credit for the job that he's done. Brady himself was a quarterback in the CFL, uh, had some pretty notable years up there. And I think that he's a guy who's probably ready to move up. Um, so I, I'm not saying that he would be Matt Eberflus' offense coordinator. I don't have any kind of knowledge of that. But I would think that he'd be a guy he'd look at just because of the respect that, that, that Brady has uh, with just this staff and, and, and also around the league. The player one is probably the easiest one to answer. I think Anthony Walker is is a really good candidate to go wherever Eberflus might end up uh, simply because he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. They drafted Bobby Okariki. Okariki has passed him in some ways. Uh, I think the Colts would like to bring him back, but you know as well as anybody, you, you can't bring back everybody you want. It's just not reality. Uh, Walker and Leonard are really tight, so I know they're, they're going to give that a lot of, a lot of effort. But if Walker doesn't stay here in Indy, I don't think – if Matt Eberflus gets a head coaching job, I don't think it's much of a stretch at all to believe that, that he would follow Matt wherever he ends up. Uh, those two are pretty close. And, and, again, Walker's kind of that leader on the field kind of guy. Um, so it would not surprise me if he would bring – if Eberflus would want to bring Walker in, uh, just to kind of help set that standard. What he's talking about, the guys who are here teach the new guys, you know, to have sort of that lieutenant uh, on the field. I'm sure that would be something that Eberflus would be interested in. As far as him taking the Jets job, I think he can do the job wherever he ends up. I really do. Um, I think he's a guy that is ready for that that jump. He has. I, I said this to somebody else earlier this week, but he ha- It doesn't. It doesn't really matter. It's it's hard to define. But he has that that head coach aura about him. I mean, from the really from the first time that we we got to talk with him, you know, in in those weekly coordinator meetings, you just had the feeling of. This guy's going to be a head coach someday. He carries himself that way, speaks that way. Uh, just everything about him kind of screams head coach to you. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I don't know what that's worth. There's a lot of guys that win the press conference that don't win football games. Um, but I think that he's, he just he has that communication skills, the, the ability to build a culture and, and get buy-in, which is obviously important. I think that's going to translate wherever you are. That being said, I think like most defensive guys, you know, I, I think he'd probably be better off uh, at a defensive-oriented stop. Uh, I think a perfect for, fit for him would be somewhere like Chicago. Um, Houston is, is talking to him. I think that would be an interesting fit because they need to get that defense back on track. Um, but I, I don't think it would matter. I don't think anywhere he goes, I think he's the kind of guy that he will hire the right people around him, and, and he knows what he doesn't know. I think that's a big thing, too. I don't think he's going to be the kind of guy that suddenly thinks, I was a defense coordinator, I came up on this side of the ball, now I'm an offensive genius because I'm a head coach and I'm going to run that side of the ball. He knows enough to know what he doesn't know, and I think he'll hire the right guys and put them in place 
you know, the NFL, there's so much luck involved, who knows? Uh, but I think the right pieces are there for him to be a good head coach. It seems like every time the Jets do one of these searches, my own research ends up changing my mind on a candidate. The last time it was Todd Monken, who I didn't know that much about going into the search, but came out of it convinced he would have been a great hire. This time around, I think that guy might be Matt Eberflus, courtesy of my friend George Bremer, who has helped me see the light. I think Matt Eberflus would be an excellent candidate for this job, and I'm curious to see how his candidacy goes from here. George Bremer covering the Colts for CNHI Sports and the Herald Bulletin in Anderson, Indiana. A pleasure as always, sir. You know I always love talking to you. You are a fountain of information, and this is why we talk all the time, even outside of the podcast. For those that aren't following you on social media or reading your work, really missing out, please tell them how they can do that. Yeah, you can check me out on Twitter at GM Bremer, and then HaroldBolton.com is where all my stories are. And uh, I'm assuming we're going to talk again in April. I mean, I just it's such a tradition. It'd be a shame if it doesn't happen again. I'm looking forward to it, George. You know I always love to talk to you. So hopefully the Jets and Colts will do some sort of business around the draft so that we have an excuse to do another podcast. Make sure that you're following George on Twitter and reading his work over at the Herald Bulletin. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.